Hello and welcome to the Sweet Podcast with me, Mitchell Willis, and him, Michael Hall. Good morning. How are you today? Yeah, I'm alright, yeah. Um, a relatively decent performance from my boys yesterday, which yeah. obviously we'll go on to talk to talk about a little bit later, but um, yeah, I think there's only really one game that, that we can start with this week, isn't there? I reckon so, yeah. Manchester Derby, and uh, I, I'll be honest, I still don't really know what happened. <laughs> um, I don't know whether that's because I'd had a, a few beers at this point on Saturday evening, but yeah, just a really, really strange game. Everything looked to be in complete control for Manchester City, and then they came away with no points whatsoever and certainly hadn't won the league, that's for sure. I think it's a rare occasion that you see a team actually trouble City defensively. I think normally when teams attack, City get players behind the ball and they're able to deal with the majority of pressures that other teams have been able to throw at them this season. I think the only sort of team that we've seen trouble them on a couple of occasions is Liverpool. And Manchester United sort of took a different approach to the game on, on Saturday in the second half. And they had City on the back foot and I think they struggled defensively in that sort of scenario. Otamendi got found out a lot and um, the game just completely turned on it, on its head and like you say, towards the end of the first half you could only see one, not only one outcome but just an absolute battering. Yeah, absolutely and I think when company scores as well you just kind of think it's almost the perfect scenario for them and he's, you know, after what happened in the cup final as well he's going to pull them through now. They then go 2-0 up. They've had a few more chances as well. Sterling probably could have had a hat-trick of chances uh, that he could have scored. And they go in at 2-0 and you still think it's it's going to be comfortable and they're going to be more than happy to just see it out, possibly concede one late on or something like that. But to, to then see what happened, and, and I think particularly you have to give credit to Pogba, of course, who got two goals, but Sanchez as well. The two of those have come in for so much criticism, certainly since Sanchez has come to, to Manchester United and not quite got going yet. But it seemed as though the two of those took the game by the scruff of the neck and really thought, do you know what, we can step up here and get something. Yeah, it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance from Paul Pogba. You, you saw in the first half why he's been criticised so much this season because defensively he didn't go about his duties at all. He let the um, City midfielders come past him on far too many occasions and he left a big hole in that sort of midfield area for yeah. Manchester United. And You're not surprised to see the amount of criticism that he gets when he plays like that. But then in the second half, he had his best 45 minutes, arguably, of the season. Yeah. Um, I don't think that anybody expected him to come out and score a couple of goals but that's the difference between getting yourself in the box and just hanging around outside it waiting for a ball to come out to you in the hope that you can hit one into the top corner and you just wonder if Mourinho would take the handbrake off a little bit more what what could have been this season for them yeah and I think it was frustrating to see his comments after the game as well about how his, his side his players and himself probably deserve more respect I agree with him to a certain extent but equally you know, you have to let the shackles off occasionally and you will get more and more plaudits if you play football like that. If you continue to play negatively and ruin, you know, ruin the game at, at times, even if you do get the win, you, you don't deserve the plaudits. Um, whereas I thought, on, obviously on Saturday, they showed what they can do and they are capable of and they came up against arguably one of the best sides we've ever seen in the Premier League. And at, at times, you know, made them look ordinary, particularly at the back. Uh, Naturally, they had a stroke of luck, a number of uh, strokes of luck, and they obviously have the best goalkeeper in, probably in the world as well who made a great save at the end. So they have all of the key components to be much better than they have been this season. I think we need to talk about the winning goal because we've got a bit of a difference of opinion on, on this one. You think that, that it was a great ball and a, and a great finish from Smalling. My analysis of it was more on what on earth Otamendi and, and Fabian Dalf were doing to allow him that much space in there and I also think that Edison could have done a bit better I think the ball is into the old corridor of uncertainty but then 
he doesn't challenge, he stays on his line and the the depth of the Manchester City defensive line was that far out that I think Edison could have been and probably should have been far more commanding. I agree with you. I think it was a great finish from Smalling because he's not really known for that. And that, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, but it just shows what happens when you can get City backpedalling. And, and Otamendi, I think, was also at fault for the first goal. I think he got dragged far too far out of position. Sanchez does really well. But then I think there's obviously going to be more Manchester United bodies in the uh, in the penalty area and, and it just showed it was a great touch from Jesse Lingard as well I thought to get the amount of power and accuracy on, on a chest into Pogba's path was, yep. was super and, and like we say it just shows what, what could have been and, and we can only hope that there's a bit more of a title race next season and I think you know we've seen twice this week that Manchester City have got their vulnerabilities and I think in in doing so, it'd be interesting to see whether that's recognised over the summer and whether there's something that happens. I think obviously they've got Company and Otamendi and, and John Stones and, and Laporte as well now are the kind of three three or four focal points in the centre of that defence and there's a lot of impetus as, as how you can attack. So whether that's Fabian Delph or Mendy or whether it's Walker and Danilo on the other side, there's still always that intention just to go forward and potentially they're going to have to just tighten up a little bit to, to really push on that next level because if they come up against a, a side of the quality of Liverpool, certainly attacking-wise, Manchester United and, and some of the bigger boys in Europe as well, they're just going to get found out time and time again. Absolutely right. And it's a strange feeling really for City fans now because... They're going to do the double. They're obviously going to win the Premier League and, and, and they've already got the League Cup in the bag. But it looks like they're going out of the Champions League and they've obviously been beaten in the FA Cup. And what a few weeks ago was looking like a possible record-breaking season yeah. in terms of trophies is now looking like a bit of a disappointing one. And, and, and it's strange to talk like that because it's it's been such an amazing season for City. But I think that this result in particular, as well as what happened last week against Liverpool, will we'll almost take a bit of the gloss off. Absolutely. Imagine if they didn't win the league. Oh, that would be, yeah. be quite amusing, wouldn't it? Really? The biggest turnaround yeah, ever absolutely. since when Newcastle squandered that 15-point lead. Absolutely. Well, speaking of which, Newcastle did win this weekend, and um, what a win for what a win for them as well. It's you know Leicester's not an easy place to go and get a result the best of times, and I think when you're down there battling as well, I think Leicester kind of look forward to that and potentially look take advantage of that. But a great goal from Shelver for the opener. He's, he's cool calm and collected and he's generally when Newcastle have won or at least played well he's been the catalyst for those performances and I think we said last week if you give him the time and space to do that he will pick you apart but to add goals to his game I think he's probably the only thing he's really lacking and to get one this weekend shows that he's potentially stepping up now and he is showing that he's got that quality to progress. Yeah I think he's always been seen as a playmaker as opposed to a goal scorer but like you say unless you're able to add that component to your game then you won't get considered for a for an international call and if he does want that in the future which he said he does he said that he wants to play for England and um, that's the the one part of his game that has been lacking he doesn't play in a team which allows a huge amount of creativity. Benitez works very much on a defensive structure and then and then almost builds upon that. So I think that he could almost do with playing in a team where he can get forward a little bit more and, and almost lose those defensive responsibilities that he has. But like you say, massive win for Newcastle this. Puts them 10, 10 points yep. clear of the relegation zone. They're obviously safe now. And it just shows what can happen when you get on a little run. I think they've won their last three games, two at home um, and one away. And, and I think a lot of people had them down to go down a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's um, I think you know they they've shown that they've obviously got some sort of drive and determination to be able to stay up. I don't think they've got the most talented group of players. They have got a very good manager, and 
I think it's going to be another interesting uh, summer, another break between seasons because they've obviously showed that even with the you know the limitations they have in this squad that they still can do the job and be interesting to see whether the checkbook does open again this summer well there's talks that the takeover's back on that the consortium <coughs> that were due to buy the club in january are, are back interested again now and you would have thought that mike ashley well yeah exactly <laughs> but but you would have thought that all that all that it's going to do now for mike ashley if newcastle finished top 10 it's just yeah, going to yeah. push the price up and it's probably going to drive those two parties even further apart so it's going to be another very interesting summer off the pitch for newcastle but they'll just be pleased that they won't have to look over their shoulder for the next few weeks. Yes, and there's a slight consolation for Leicester with uh, and us as well, really, in in England with Jamie Vardy continuing his scoring run and nothing more than a consolation, really, but a, a huge game away at Burnley for Leicester next week and that battle for you know to to finish as high as possible behind the kind of top six is uh, is definitely hotting up and I think. Leicester will probably ruin a number of opportunities this season where they probably could have pr- progressed and they didn't have the greatest start to the season. And I, I think, again, they're another club that have got so much to build on next year. They've got a really good manager. That They've got someone who's who's brought some stability to the club as well. And as we've said before, a lot will depend on what happens to Rio Mares. But they've still got Jamie Vardy who's continuing to score goals at an incredible rate considering the, um, the the drop that they had since they won the league as well. Absolutely right, and uh, we talk about the bottom of the league and Newcastle not being there anymore. Aside that are down there at Crystal Palace, they drew two-two away at Bournemouth on Saturday, and um, similar to the United City game, really a, a game of two halves. Completely, I think that Crystal Palace will be frustrated not to have taken all three points because when you're winning two-one away from home with a minute to go, you um, you do all you can, especially when you're in that sort of position. But you wonder whether that late equaliser will come back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a few occasions this year where Crystal Palace just haven't haven't you know held on to the win or the draw, and we've we've seen it so many times, and you do think that, that will come to, back to bite them on the ass, but equally they still have something going forward. You know, they they were the better side by far in in this game, certainly for the majority of it, and they had so many chances. Milovejevic has scored again, not from the penalty spot, but it was from a dead ball situation. They then have two incredible chances where they could be two or three up at half time, and it's Wilfred Zahara who's then gone and scored, and it was a lovely goal as well. But it's just frustrating that they get into these positions so often and just can't see it out. That's right, and a win would have taken them five points clear of the relegation zone, and obviously they're they're now three points clear, but with a worse goal difference than Southampton. And all the time that Southampton are within one win it's still possible that they could get out of it and it will just pile more pressure on Crystal Palace. I think that we need to give uh, a certain amount of credit to Roy Hodgson here because he dropped his, his central striker like we thought yeah. he might do and he and he went back to what was working previously and just having Townsend and Sahar through the middle and it it just gives them a different option completely and if, if he'd have said to him at the start of that game, you'll score two goals away from home today, he would have expected to see that game through and win it. Um, I think that Bournemouth deserve credit. They've they've taken 18 points from um, from games where they've been behind this season, which is I think the best in the Premier League, certainly outside the top four, and and late goals as well. Yeah, and it's just something which they weren't known for previously. They were always a side who struggled when they went behind, and and they've got a much better mentality about that squad this season. You can tell that they've got more leaders in the team. Nathan Ake's come in and done a brilliant job. The one person that I've been disappointed with from a Bournemouth point of view this season is Asmir Begovic. Yeah. Somebody that's come in and done very little to um, to really 
justify the price that they paid for him in the summary. I think he could have done better with both goals on Saturday. And although he made a couple of saves, which you would expect most keepers in the Premier League to make, he just hasn't looked as assured as I thought he would do. Maybe that spell sat on the bench at Chelsea has almost led to a, a loss of confidence that, that that he had when he was at Stoke. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether they uh, stick with him after the summer. I think he definitely came in with a lot of potential to really shore up that defence there. But, I, I mean, you have to... It's difficult not just give them credit for, the, for those comebacks. They've done fantastic to really avoid being in that dogfight this year. Um, it could have so easily happened. And, and all of those points they have got uh, late in games and, and whether it's, you know coming back 20 minutes in or, or in the last minute I think it's irrelevant I think for them to be safe at this point in the season and away from them away from the chasing pack is fantastic for them absolutely right a team that aren't safe Stoke and they went down 2-1 at home to Tottenham on Saturday a performance that was a lot better for, for, for Stoke than, than they have had in recent games against Tottenham I think the average goals conceded against Spurs in the last four was four goals yeah. and um, a much tighter affair in this game but they've come away with nothing from it and they're they're still deep in trouble although they're not a million miles away from where Southampton and, and Crystal Palace are you just wonder where their next win's going to come from yeah I mean they're very much battled and you know they were still in the game at half time it's just like the Emirates last week really they had created a few chances and they, they kept Spurs at bay and it, I, I think again there'll be signs of encouragement and positivity but it will be very very frustrating that they couldn't do anything further from there and you know it all kind of happened in 10 minutes in this one I think the first goal is going to be frustrating and they worked so hard to get that many players back when Spurs are broke and to let Ericsson then just drift in and have a, a relatively easy shot is must be so disappointing I thought it was great composure from Dele Alli I think yeah. we've we've talked about him earlier in the season and, and how he'd struggled for, for both goals and assists but he could have quite easily squared that to Kane first time when he when he broke into the box, but to have the composure to wait for Ericsson and it reminded me of a Frank Lampard goal. This one, like yeah, a, yeah. a late break yeah. into the box, and then just a nice finish away from the keeper into the bottom corner. And 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 Ericsson obviously is claiming the second one. I know that Harry Kane's do, doing his best to try and take it <laughs> off him because he wants the golden boot off uh, Mohamed Salah this season. But I, I think that Ericsson's goals this year have have made a huge difference to Tottenham because where Ali's not scoring Ericsson's picked up the mantle and yep. Son's not got a goal for a few games and we, we've said it a lot throughout the season that whenever one of them is, is, is not in red hot form there are people to step up and that's what the best teams have Chelsea have struggled this season when Hazard and Morata have been out of form and you can see now that the gap between them and the, the, the top four is 10 points Tottenham have never really had that real blip that Chelsea and, and, and Arsenal have had and that's why they find themselves in there again for, for the third season running and with Stoke it's a, a stroke of luck when Dee have scored but you, you just thought maybe that's the sort of thing they need to get to get the ball rolling again and it's just so frustrating for them to concede so quick after that and then some missed chances at the end as well and you just I don't know whether it's just one of those where it just goes against you when you're at the bottom of the league or whether they just clearly just don't have the quality but they're away at West Ham next and although four points adrift that's a huge huge game that is going to be difficult and you probably wouldn't have them down as favourites but you just you never know that these two good performances against two quality sides could really you know, stand them in good stead for a little bit of a confidence boost. It can change things. I think when you look at what Leicester did a couple of years ago when they were absolutely dead and buried with about six or seven games to go and I think they won five of the last seven, it's not impossible for it to happen for any team down there other than West Brom and you wouldn't be surprised for it to happen again but the the issue at the moment I think is that 
they don't really seem likely to win games and yep. it's not like they're conceding last minute equalizers or um almost having having no luck it's more just a real lack of spark in that team and and like you say things could have happened for them towards the end of the game but i think that they'll they'll probably struggle to get anything at west ham i think west ham are on a decent run now the last two games they've picked up four points and um, I fear for Stoke massively. I, I said this last week. I think that, that the bottom three will, will be as it is at the moment. And this weekend's results showed no signs of changing that. Speaking of a spark and one that links both clubs, Southampton. I like what you did there. Yeah, Mark Hughes. Um, yeah, I, I, for me yesterday, it was all about the performance. And um, having lost our last two games 3-0 against clubs around us to go to, to Arsenal, who've been in good form and, and really trouble them all game, was particularly pleasing. It it's a shame that we didn't get anything from the game, but I just hope that the performance from some of the players who've looked really woeful this sort of past month was enough to give us a, a bit of a chance in the uh, in the coming weeks. Didn't see Shane Long being the first goal scorer in this game. It was terrible defending from Mustafi, yeah, and he, I mean, Peter Cech was never going to come for that ball, and uh, I mean, Long did well. It was uh, it was a poacher's finish, and he actually finished really well for uh, for a goal in the second half which was ruled off correctly for offside but it showed real instinctiveness and sometimes you just need that from a striker you need one to go in and, and, and then you have a bit of a run obviously Charlie Austin coming off the bench is massive got a goal within a couple of minutes and, and it looked at that set at, at that stage like we were set for uh, for a point but as ever our defending this this year hasn't been up to scratch and um, it, it was just poor defending for the Arsenal winner both Jack Stevens and Cedric got in one another's way and it wasn't a great header from Danny Welbeck it was just a relatively easy one and, and that's what goes against you when you're down there you don't have those those slices of luck and on another day we could have come away with a point but I think the result in the end is probably the right one I think Chelsea at home next week though I think given recent form for for them and that performance yesterday it gives you some confidence to but you, you just never know. I think you'd have probably written that off a few weeks ago as, as just another game that you're probably not going to get anything from. Whereas now, that definitely looks winnable. And, you know, three points at home against Chelsea is nothing to be sniffed at at any stage of the season. But if if, if you could do that, that would be a huge confidence boost. Absolutely right. I, I mean, we're going to have to win a game against the likes of Chelsea now because we've got Manchester City and Chelsea as two of our three remaining home games. Yep. Um, simply, if you... If you you only win one of those three you're going to go down so it's going to have to be against Chelsea or City I would fancy our chances far more against Chelsea yep. than Manchester City but Arsenal deserve credit Aubameyang's made a, a great start to life there and obviously Wenger's having his standard run at the end of the season <laughs> where they seem to pull things together ahead of the Europa League and if they get through against um, CSK on Thursday they're into the semi-finals of that competition and I think that they've just got to go full steam ahead to try and secure that place in the Champions League next season Absolutely. Well, join us after this short break for a roundup of the championship. It promises to be another special Champions League evening, and here to enjoy it all with us are Rio Ferdinand, Stephen Gerrard, and Ian Wright. All three have had their hands on this trophy. Rio and Stephen in Moscow and Istanbul, respectively. And Ian, when he walked into the studio, this <laughs> <evening>. <laughs> I've been looking forward to that all day. <laughs> I was just going to say, when I walked into the studio, grab the back of your head. <laughs> 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 Welcome back to the Sweep Podcast and we are going to take a trip to the Championship where the weekend started with Cardiff versus Wolves on Friday night and the battle at the top and had all sorts of permutations depending on the results and if Wolves won they pretty much nailed down top spot whilst Cardiff would be in catching distance then. 
And then if Cardiff won, it was game on at the top and it was anyone's to win. But what a game as well. Wolves went 1-0 up through Ruben Neves and looked like they were going to snatch the win until Cardiff rolled a last-minute penalty, which was saved very well by John Ruddy. It was a great save, wasn't it? Yeah. And I know it's a cliche that a big man got down quickly and managed to uh, push it around the post, but it it was something that you don't often see from, from John Ruddy. He doesn't strike you as the most agile of goalkeepers, but to keep his team in the game at that at that point and, and, and maintain the lead was huge for them. Yeah, it was absolutely massive. And, and Wolves were jubilant and they were on for it and... It looked all good until another penalty was awarded in the 94th minute, which Junior Hoylet went up and, and yeah, just hit the bar. <laughs> just really frustratingly hit the bar and then, yeah, it dropped down. There's a bit of a goal mouth scramble and that was it. Game over. You can't miss two penalties in a game no. and, and deserve anything from it. It's um, I know that Mike Dean was the referee in this one and that's obviously why Cardiff had two opportunities <laughs> from the spot, but it's just one of those where when it's not United, it's not United. At least Neil Warnock took it well. He did. He was really, really happy, wasn't he, with the uh, with the celebrations that ensued at the final whistle. But then, on to Saturday, Aston Villa had that opportunity then to close the gap on Cardiff. Did they? Did they bollocks? They lost 3-1 at Norwich and just typified the season, really. So close yet so far. You just get given a, a, a great opportunity to come back into it and do something. And it, it, that seems to the moment that our season just goes downhill every single time. So, yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. But uh, fair play to Norwich. Uh, it's a fantastic goal in that game from Murphy. Um, but, yeah, from there it was, it, was just, it was just difficult for us and really see us getting back into it. Fulham, however, they did capitalise. And it was a late goal from Mitrovic to beat Sheffield Wednesday 1-0 at Hillsborough. And they've been in good form as well recently. So it was uh, it was always going to be a tough game for Fulham, but they've just they've shown that consistency now and you you wonder whether they can can get into second place. I reckon they might sneak it. I yeah. think momentum at this stage of the season is massive and Cardiff will be psychologically damaged by what happened on Friday and and Fulham are only going one way at the moment. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them pit them, especially given that you're playing Cardiff on Tuesday yes we've got Cardiff on Tuesday and, and again that's the frustrating thing you would have won on Saturday and then had the opportunity to play Cardiff at home as well we could have really put ourselves in amongst it and I think now we, you know, we have to settle for third at best probably fourth um, which we'll take and we'll, we'll move on to the playoffs and hopefully we can just have a, a decent run and get some momentum but speaking of the playoffs um, Derby they've also got to play Cardiff in that game in hand uh, that we, we spoke about previously and, and when again Neil Warnock took it well, um, and that they themselves beat Bolton Wanderers three 0 to keep their playoff hopes alive. Middlesbrough and, and Millwall also had two 0 wins as well, so very very tight in there as it is down at the bottom. And the other early kickoff on Saturday saw Barnsley have a huge win against Sheffield United three two, and they massively piled the pressure onto Bolton who lost, and then Burton Albion drew one all with Birmingham, as did Sunderland with Leeds. So yeah, it's it's all still to play for down there to a certain extent. It is indeed. We were out with some Sunderland fans. Weren't we after the yeah. game on uh, on Saturday because they they'd come to to watch them play at Leeds and they were basically saying that that they were down now that they had to beat Leeds on Saturday to stand any hope of, of staying up and the fact that Barnsley got that win is 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 a real kick in the teeth for Sunderland but it's it's going to be interesting between now and the end of the season and you just hope if they do go down that they can regroup off the field and and really give League One a good go next season. Absolutely interesting in the Championship. Has it been interesting in the Bundesliga? Oh, it's always interesting in Germany, Mitch. You know that, but not when Hertha Berlin are concerned. Right, okay. And they lost again on Saturday away this time at Borussia Mönchengladbach in a 
mid-table battle. Um, Still scored, though. That was nice. They did, yeah. That's more than we saw when we were yep. at the Olympic Stadium last week. And Solomon Kalou opened the scoring for Hertha in this game. Gave them an unlikely away lead, um, but that was extinguished in the second half. And it was Eden Hazard's little brother, Thorgorn, who got two goals for Borussia. One from the penalty spot, one from open play. And that was enough to do it for the lads. And uh, a, a real Thorgon in the side. You could say that, yeah. yes. And uh, yeah... Hertha find themselves 10th in no danger of anything really Um, we will keep an eye on them begrudgingly between now and the end of the season (laughs) and try and pick a more exciting side for for everyone to follow next season that's your championship that's your Bundesliga let's get back onto the Premier League after this short break you try to kick it in the goal you hit me just some fucking brains in you Sorry, just the last word then on, on Wolves. It, it's a it's a big game, a game at Molyneux, big crowd. Uh, it, it's a big match for you. Yeah, it's a big match. No wonder he's in the fucking reserves. Welcome back to the third part of this week's Weeper Podcast. And it's time to round up the Premier League. We're going to start with Brighton 1, Huddersfield 1 in what was probably a bigger game for Huddersfield than Brighton in this one. And they'll be pretty pleased with the outcome. Yeah, they'll take a point, but it was the story of the weekend for me. How do you look when you're down there? Own goal from your goalkeeper is just... Just what happens, and it, it's a frustrating one as well. I think he, um, yeah, he just he manages to make the save, and I'm not sure he gave himself too much of an opportunity to do that. But when he does, it's just one of those where it's just bumbling around, and yeah, it just on another day, it probably just doesn't happen, does it? I think his positioning wasn't right. I think he he, he was far too deep on his line and I think if he'd have taken a, a step out then he, he would have just pushed it around the post. Solly March with a relatively speculative effort and what is he 20 yards out when he hits it? I don't think Lursell needs to be that far back. I think he's given himself too much to do and like you say it wasn't a save that cost him. It was his uh, it was his starting position so difficult one for them to take but they came back into it. Yeah they got themselves back into it and it was gifted really but you know the, the game's even then you've got a chance. Brighton then go down to 10 men and you just think, yeah, Huddersfield could could potentially do something here, and the sending off itself was was unlucky for me. You know, it's a fifty fifty challenge, and I think maybe the only thing that went against proper was was um, as as well as Hog staying down. It was also the fact that his his leg was kind of trailing upwards as well. So I think it just potentially looked a little worse than than maybe it was. It's a real pet hate of mine when players surround the referee, and I think that if the referees were given a bit more time and space to think about these decisions then we would see less red cards and it's it's easy to say when you've seen it second time and it's slowed down and yeah the foot does go up a little bit but I just think that and and it's not just Huddersfield players every team in the league does it and and it it happens throughout football but this is where football could learn learn a lesson from rugby in, in having a little bit more respect for for the official making the decision because if that had been a Huddersfield player and they were going to miss the next three games of the season because of it, that, that could be pivotal to them staying up. And um, they they didn't take advantage of the extra man, but I think overall they'll be quite content with the with the point. Definitely, and you know they then go back home and play Watford and Everton in the next two games, and you would say they're both winnable games as well. And I think they'll be looking for four points, if not six points, out of those two games, and particularly with the tough run that comes up after that. You know, these these are massive, crucial games, and you know if they can turn around, kind of four, five, seven points out of the three games, that that should be them home and dry. I think four would do it for Huddersfield. I think they've got enough to survive with, with, with four more points and it wouldn't surprise me to see them lose at home to Watford and Everton and then pit points up against yeah, the big teams. It's possibly, kind of what yeah. they've done this season and um, there's still certainly a few twists and turns to happen at the bottom but I'm just not convinced that there's going to be a huge amount of movement outside that bottom three. 
Yes, indeed. Massive point for Huddersfield and a massive point for Swansea as well, who uh, drew one over West Brom. And I mean, I say a massive point, but it, more for psychological reasons. You don't want to be coming away with nothing from the Hawthorns. And Swansea do still need to be picking up points. They, they still need to just plug away and, and make sure they're safe. But I think, you know, to be able to come away from this, having gone behind as well, should be a real confidence boost because... West Brom shouldn't be beating anyone really at home or away this season. So if they they were to come away with nothing, I, th- I think their kind of hopes would be really dented. It would have been incredibly damning on Alan Pardew if West Brom had won this <laughs> game. Um, almost like a, a a real sort of screw you. You've gone and and, and we're going to put a performance Which in. Which would have been fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. And and it looked at, at times like West Brom could have actually gone on to win the game on Saturday. As much as Swansea had the better chances in the second half, I think that West Brom really. Gave it a go for Darren Moore in that game. And nice to see Jay Rodriguez get another goal. That's 10 for the season for him. Not all in the Premier League, but it just shows that a player with that sort of pedigree can, can score goals in a struggle inside. And it wouldn't surprise you to see him stay in the in the, in the the Premier League next season. I hope so. I think he deserves it. I think he's probably too good for the Championship. And, you know, West Brom, unfortunately, it just hasn't worked this season. He's had a few injuries as well. And he deserves to be in the Premier League. And it'll be interesting to see whether a, a club will come and take a punt on him. And, you, you know, he's going to be on a decent contract as well obviously he's only been there a year so the transfer fee should still be relatively high but hopefully that doesn't put anyone off because he's definitely got qualities that that uh, sides could use. I'm going to put it out there. I think he'll go to Burnley. I think that Sean yeah. Dyche will bring him home, and uh, it might be that that Ashley Bar- Barnes departs Burnley in the summer. And um, yeah, I, I think J Rod could go back there and, and possibly do well, especially if they get into the Europa League, because Europe suits him as a player. He he he's always better when he's got a bit more space and. We've seen it in the Premier League for both Southampton and West Brom that he's more than capable of banging them in. And it is still very, very tight down there. And realistically, just a win for Stoke and Southampton could really put the cat amongst the pigeons. And, you know, for me, it's those games where each side's playing each other and that, that will decide the final table because it, it's really going to be fascinating. I think probably every club down there's probably got one or two games against those sides around them as well so it's um yeah it's, it's going to be an interesting few weeks absolutely yeah i was disappointed this week because the premier league have moved the uh rescheduled southampton swansea game to the last week of the season oh. and i was that was the one sort of game that i thought if, if it's if it's quite soon and we managed to pick something up from that then it could give us the confidence that we yeah. need but i think by the time we go and play them it'll be all over and we'll we'll be firmly down by that stage unfortunately so uh that's what happens when you when you progress in the FA Cup. That's the thanks that you get. <laughs> we shall see what happens. But uh, another club down there, West Ham, had a one-all draw with Chelsea yesterday. And Chelsea, to be fair, they looked relatively comfortable and they created a number of good chances and were really good value for the lead. And, you know, it's a, a poor goal to conceive for West Ham. And, but Chelsea not adding to that opener and not scoring a few more goals, we're always going to make it nervy then. Always going to make it nervy for the fans. Always going to make it nervy for the players. And it was, you know, West Ham do always have opportunities to score and I think Hernandez in particular only needs a sniff of a chance and he's going to put you under pressure and obviously he showed that yesterday. It must be so frustrating though as a Chelsea fan when you consider how, how they dominated that game for the first sort of 60 minutes and they had so many chances and just couldn't get the second goal and it's one of those where you, you get the second and they probably go 3-4-0 yeah, yeah. but um, Conte was in- incredibly frustrated and you're just not really surprised because West Ham have looked okay in the last couple of weeks and um, they would have been pleased to just get away from the London Stadium for the week and <laughs> like you say about Hernandez and that's the benefit of having somebody in the side like Marko An- Arnautovic because he can put the ball in areas that he expects strikers to get to he's 
been so good over the last six to eight weeks under David Moyes and we panned him when he went to West Ham and sort of said that Stoke should be over the moon to get that, that sort of transfer fee and for the first few months he didn't look very good at all did he but no. then he's come back and he's showed a real willingness to improve under Mark Hughes his attitude's been questionable throughout his career and if he's able to build on on the last sort of six to eight games then he could have a big season for West Ham next year and they could almost build their team around him I thought interestingly Joe Hart was quite good in this game made some some good saves and, and, and commanded his area quite well as well and you just think maybe there is life in the old dog after all and I think you know shipping goals has been West Ham's biggest problem this year and they will always create chances they will always score but they just need to become a lot more solid and he could be key for the rest of the season did you see Joe Hart's post-match interview no. Okay, so the reporter opened up with the sort of standard question, Joe, you've come in for criticism in the past and, and you've maybe proved the doubters wrong with a good performance. First three words, haters gonna hate. Oh, God, I, right. I take it all back. No. Get off the plane, Joe. Get off the plane. Oh, just piss off. Right, anyway, I'm done with him. Uh, Watford 1, Burnley 2. Um I had this down as both score. Uh, it was always going to be an open game. Both sides had some great chances, and Watford had the better of the chances to begin with. It was Nick Pope, another England goalkeeper, who was uh, making all sorts of wonderful saves, but he then got nutmegged and conceded, um, which was was lovely to see. But uh, from there, you know, it was it was all Burnley really, and they they made a change. Sam Vokes came on. It was almost the the forgotten big lad up front with the other two in in fine form, but. Scored after just 22 seconds and, and from there, three minutes later, they took the lead and, and Jack Court scored. Yeah, and, a, and another perfect example of um, goal line te- technology being used brilliantly in England. Yeah. Obviously, it happened in the um, Huddersfield game as well. And you just wonder whether there's, there's lessons to be learned with VAR there. I, I think that refining the technology used in VAR would, would certainly help the processes. Always great to still see players arguing the decisions yeah. <laughs> despite the technology in place. But... Um, I think that Burnley showed real resolve in this game and it wasn't too long ago that they'd never come back to win a game in the Premier League under Sean Dyche when they'd conceded first and it's happened quite a few times now this season. They've yep. got that monkey off their back and they're, they're going places. It, it wouldn't surprise me to see them beat Leicester in their uh, in, the, in, the, in the battle for seventh, I think. Is that next week? Yeah, next game. If they win that, then... They're pretty much guaranteed Europa League spot unless Southampton win the FA Cup, which is pretty unlikely, I'd say, at this stage. <laughs> and then the final game, not usually at the end of a run order, I wouldn't have thought Everton-Liverpool, but uh, as good as a nil-nil as it was, uh, plenty of chances, there was still something missing from the game. and Goals? Yeah, I mean, obviously goals, but Liverpool much changed. Uh, Ings and Solanke, for instance, coming in to start and... It's actually both keepers in fine form and, and made some great saves, and they were the difference that kept this goalless. And you know, it's a, a standard Merseyside derby. It's quite frenetic and heated, and 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 that's that's what you want from these sorts of games. And I think perhaps one goal early on maybe opens the game up, and you know, you see kind of a six, seven, eight goal thriller. It's been a while for Everton in a Merseyside derby that they've they've managed to win one, and you you sort of feel like this was the best opportunity that yeah. they would have had in a long time. When they saw that team sheet from, from Jurgen Klopp at the start of the game, their eyes must have lit up. And to be fair to them, they did all right. They got in some good positions. I thought Theo Walcott had a good game. Yannick Balassi looked good. And obviously the save from um, from him in the first half was, was brilliant. Yeah. And 
you hope that that would spark the game into life. It had a little bit of a lull and then it seemed to get good towards the end again. But Jurgen Klopp will be happy to get out of there with a point and also be happy with a clean sheet because the majority of their focus since the win against City last Wednesday would have been on next Tuesday. And I think the Merseyside derby probably came at the wrong time for them. I think if it had come next Saturday, yep. you would have seen a Liverpool team go out there and really looking for the win. But the most important thing from their point of view is they've lost no ground on the teams below them. Chelsea is still 10 points behind them and it looks very likely that Liverpool will secure that top four finish again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not done a huge amount for them, for Liverpool or Everton this game, but Liverpool very much dreaming of, uh, of, of bigger and better things when they've got Manchester City tomorrow night and yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting, isn't it? I'm going to miss this game. Yeah. I'm going to be flying at the time, so um, unless there's some way of getting a stream in the... In the middle of the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get the result until like, till I get off. So, it's one of those where I think anything could happen, but I, I want to get your prediction on it. I want to know what you think the score's gonna be, or at least the result. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the overall result will be, uh, be a one, one goal win on aggregate for Liverpool. But I genuinely don't know what that means for the game tomorrow. I don't know, um, how, how much City will win by. I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I mean, after Saturday with Manchester City as well, they've. They and and last week as well. They've got a lot to kind of build the expectations back up of, of the fans. And although they've had a very good season, you don't want to see it. You kind of this being a blot on their season. So you want to see them go out and just go for it. I think you could be right. I think it might be. A, I can't see Liverpool not scoring. I think it it might be a three-one to City or something like that, which which would then obviously go in line with what you yeah. just said about there being one goal in it on aggregate. And it's a strange one with City because they've been so good all season and. They could finish the season... Well, they they are going to finish the season with the double. And it almost seems like a disappointment after what could have been a few weeks ago where it, it looked like they, they were fighting on, on all four fronts and, and people really thought that it could be a record-breaking season in terms of uh, trophies won. And yeah, it's just... I don't know. I, I think that Guardiola's got a lot to do to get them up for the game on Tuesday. I think that the fact that he threw on the players that he rested late on in that game against Manchester United showed that he really wanted to get the league title sewn yeah. up by, by Saturday so that they could concentrate fully on Tuesday. I heard a City fan phone in um, on Five Live on Saturday night who said that he was pleased that they lost to United so there were no celebrations after the game and they could just go down the tunnel, get in their cars, go home and rest up ahead of Tuesday. Yeah, it, an interesting approach. But, uh, I mean, ultimately it kind of means nothing if they do end up losing on Tuesday as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But exciting things to come. And, and one of them being in the semi-finals of the Champions League is, is definitely something to applaud as well. Absolutely right. Join us after this break where we're going to do our standard quiz. One man come in the name of love. One man come and... Welcome back to the final part of this week's Sweeper podcast. And before we get to the quiz, Mitch is going to update you on the current league table and also let you know how you can get in contact with us. Yes, it's it's very close. And Michael, you took the lead for the first time last week and it's it's 28-27. So I'm, I've, I've been swatting up. I've had all my encyclopedias out. Yeah. I'm doing a Fulham. I'm making a late charge for, <laughs> for, the, for the top. 
But yeah, get in contact with us. Uh, Twitter at the Sweep Pod, Instagram, Facebook, the Sweep Podcast. Email us at the Sweep Podcast at gmail.com. And whilst you're at it, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And if you haven't got iTunes, listen on SoundCloud. Absolutely. Tell your friends. The quiz subject for this week is Stoke City. Oh, God. Okay. So, straight off the bat, standard first question What is the capacity at the bet 365? I will go for. I don't think it's over 30,000. 28,000. 30,089. So it's just over. It's 30, just 000. over, yeah. Right, okay. Second question In what decade was Stoke City's only major trophy secured? The League Cup? It was the League Cup. Yeah. The 1970s. Is correct. Yes. 1972. Good. One out of two. The third question. Who is Stoke City's record signing? Oh. I think he knows this. I just saw his eyes light up. No, I'm not sure. Um... Stoke City's record signing. They've had a lot of players of a similar kind of calibre. It's going to be someone like Imbula. It's correct. Yes. 18.3 million. And I think he's currently on loan somewhere in France. Like Toulouse or someone like that. Um, Number four. What was Stoke's ground called prior to moving to their current stadium? The Victoria Grand. is correct. Three out of four. Far too easy this week. And the final question for a record-breaking four points is: Stoke City have three Dutch players in their current Premier League squad. Name them. Eric Peters. Eric Peters is the one that I didn't think you were going to get. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Um, who else is Dutch? There's quite a lot of Dutch people, but I need. Dutch players in that Stoke City squad. Bruno Martins Indy. Oh, that's two. I've got to get all three. Yeah. Oh, there's there's one that I don't think he's Dutch, and I'm really doubting myself. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's any others. I'm gonna to have to go for it, but I don't. I'm just genuinely don't think he is. Kevin Vimmer. Kevin Vimmer is Austrian. Yeah. Who's the other one? Ibrahim Afalai. Ah, uh, well, fucking yeah. All right, fair enough. Three points, Mitch. I'll take that. I'll In take that. Of course, you'll take that. the The table is screaming forwards in recent weeks. Ah, uh, that was trivia. like that was like watching Villa. Just you had the opportunity then, and then it was just snapped. Just away snatched from you. away from yeah. me, and you take a two point lead. Um, remember to keep the questions next week of a similar standard to this week, <laughs> um, because. Those were definitely gettable, yeah. but you got to know definitely. them. Got yes. got to know them. I th- I thought there was definitely two out of the five that I thought that you were nailed on for. Um, and yeah, it could have been a full house. Could have been our first ever full house. It could well have been. And join us next week where maybe Michael will get a full house. Unlikely, because I'll probably be answering questions on Nottingham Forest or something like that that I know absolutely nothing about. Thank you very much for joining us this week. And uh, it's nice to be back on a Monday and... Everything's a, a bit more back to normal and routine-like. And join us next week where Southampton will have defeated Chelsea. 
Aston Villa will have won their latest game in the uh, in the playoff shake-up. And, yep. uh, yeah, you'll have two happy boys next Monday. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much. See ya. Adios. Adios.